Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hithliday. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers, Adam Holland. How you doing? Doing well. Uh, was able to get down to Eugene for homecoming weekend. Uh, good to be back and uh, ready to talk some ducks. Uh, yeah, you you had written an article um, before this about uh, Dan Lanning's like fourth down decision making and, and some other stuff in the Washington game. Um, I know that sort of like raised some eyebrows because that was something that like a lot of fans and, and some of the media was discussing. Um, did you uh, first of all, like, how'd you come to write that article? And second of all, like, how'd you, you know, what did you think, you know, a, a week later? Well, <clears throat> there were two things that I, I didn't quite understand. Um, now, a, a lot of people, you know, brought up the point, you know, the counterpoint to my article that like uh, you, you're, you're rolling the dice as, as, you know, your stronger unit against their weaker unit, which is true. Um, you know, in, in that sense, it does make sense to kind of just like keep the offense on the field. You look at, you know, situations like the 2009 Civil War, you know, Masoli with the famous shoulder block to get the you know first down. You look at the, the Rose Bowl in 2020, you know, the completion from Herbert uh, to keep that, you know, that big that game from, you know, giving, giving the ball back to the opponent. It, it you know, it make, it does make sense. Here's what didn't make sense to me. There were, there were two things that stood out. First, um, you had controlled the line of scrimmage. Uh, you had been rushing all game, and you had been getting what you wanted on the ground. Um, it was it was noted. We even discussed it prior to the Washington game that their their run defense was not very good. Um, to me, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense why, like on every one of those fourth down plays, you don't try and just pound it forward. I mean, you know, we all remember the infamous, uh, you know, third down and overtime against Washington in 2018, you know, I just rolled the dice and, and sent Verdell right up the middle and it worked. And so, you know, what's to say that Bucky Irving and that offensive line could not get you another two to three yards. So that was kind of like the first thing that didn't make sense to me was, was why you never even considered that, or maybe they did consider it and just decided to go another way but why they never executed that. Uh, secondly, and this this was just kind of my gripe, Lanning came in uh, to Oregon as a, you know, as a defensive coordinator that had made Georgia's defense like the, the, you know, the juggernaut of the nation. He comes in as a defensive-minded coach. He's already recruiting some of the best defensive players Oregon's ever seen. So if you're a defensive-minded coach, why don't you trust your defense to be able to get a stop? Or in, in that sense, why don't you trust your defense forcing the Huskies to have to go 90 yards instead of 50? Um, so I get it. You know, there's that argument, like I said, that it's like our stronger unit against their weaker unit, our weaker unit against their stronger unit. Yes, but if you're going to establish that kind of culture at Oregon where it's like offense wins games, defense wins championships, 
why not give the defense a chance to shine on national TV against a nationally ranked opponent at their house with a chance to, to win it? You know, last time we went up to Seattle, that's what it, it came down to the same thing. It was, you know, a fourth down stop that sealed the victory. So those are just kind of like my two things. And, you know, in, in retrospect, it, it, I've, I've seen way worse coaching decisions than, you know, Lanning's decision just to go for it on fourth down a few times. What doesn't make sense to me are those two things. Why not utilize the running game? Why not utilize the advantage that you have at the line of scrimmage? And secondly, if you're a defensive-minded coach and you have all these, you know, star recruits that you've brought in and you want them to, you know, like turn into grizzled vets that know how to lock down other teams, why not give them the chance to do that? Yeah, I definitely understand what you're saying about, uh, you know, where you're putting your chips, you know, uh, I mean, I, I disagree. I think going for it was the right call, like strategically and analytically. Um, I, I would have, but I, on the other hand, I, I do agree with you about, well, I, I agree with you about running the ball. I would have actually liked them to do it. Like, instead of looking at it in sort of like a, a totally atomized, like just the fourth down thing. Like I, I think like looking at it as a series of four downs, like I, I think, you know, it's like, you start at first and 10, like you need to run the ball 2.5 yards a carry four times, you know, like when, when you're in a, you're in a position in like end of half or, you know, end of game, you know, it's, or, or like you're in a position where all you need to do is convert this first and 10 and the game's over. Um, uh, you know, cause you can, you know, they're, they're out of timeouts and, and, and you can, you know, kneel it out to end the game um, or in an end of half, you know, situation where like it's impossible for them to score if you turn it over. Like uh, I think strategic, I don't know on this podcast, we've discussed it to death. Like I'm not going to, you know, re recapitulate all of it. Like I, I understand the point that you're making about like, you know, put your chips on the defense. I don't, I didn't think that's, going to work out against Washington's offense frankly but like uh if you're if you've made the decision to, to go for it which again I support but whatever they had made that decision like st start planning it from first down not from fourth down and start looking at it from uh, you know from the perspective of like I need to run 2.5 yards for four downs which is like that's you know instead of like well i I'll, I'll try this like you know interesting rollout pass screenplay or something yeah. oh i didn't get it well now it's second and 10 you know or whatever it is and like well now it's like i got three plays to get you know 3.33 yards you know and now the sort of math has changed like i, I would have I, I think that's sort of where a lot of like the fan discussion goes wrong is they look at it in the sort of like totally atomized way of like fourth down fourth down fourth down that's all i want to talk about is fourth down and i'm sort of like hey guys like if you look at it from you know as you're saying adam like look at it from a like where are your advantages like controlling mm -hmm. the line of scrimmage and running the ball like asking bucky irvings or you know or jordan james in this offensive line versus you know washington's defensive line like to get two and a half yards over uh, carry over four carries like yeah man like, yeah well and and you you saw it you know there with landing screaming at the offensive line and you know even on the national broadcast are like coach Lanning challenging his offensive line to get this done to you know finish this game off well i mean you know if you trust them to get that done then you trust them to, to block for those those runs um i think one thing that might have played into it i mean and this is just a guess you know most of my stuff in my you know articles is just opinions and guesswork and so one, one guess is that maybe it got caught up a little bit in the uh Knicks versus Penix battle. Yeah. You know, I do one kind of I like do the, wonder about that. Yeah, you know, it's how much like he's the, trying the, to the, give the, Knicks the Heisman, an opportunity. The Heisman yeah. guys from the Pac twelve and it's like, okay, well I, when the game's on the line, I'm gonna put the ball in Knicks's hands and let him make a play and show that he's the Heisman front runner, not Penix. And it's like there's a time and place for that. Uh well, fourth, I mean, down, fourth down on a few yards with a clear advantage at the line of scrimmage is not the is not the time for play. I mean, they're playing their toughest defense that they're gonna play all year, you know, coming up against Utah. I do wonder about that. Where like what if you know, what if the it, it's a situation where like you know it, it makes more sense to not have Knicks throw it, but like, you know, they, they wanna, you know, trust Knicks. What do you think about that? 
Um, that's kind of like uh, what I was, I was thinking of kind of delving into uh, this week a little bit too, um, is that for Bo Nix, um, you know, all season he's been uh, absolutely consistent. He's been, you know, exactly what you would expect him to be. So here's the thing. Um, I mean, he's I'm the not, most he's the most accurate quarterback in the yeah yeah he like, he does exactly what he's supposed to do and he hasn't faltered this year at all and it's 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 great to see here's the thing he's he's still getting caught up in the Heisman talk I don't think he necessarily cares all that much about it um, I, I I can't speak to the fan base of Oregon how much the Oregon fan base in general cares about it. I'd care more about like getting to the Pac-12 championship game, you know, getting to a New Year's Six Bowl stuff like that, rather than Bo, you know, being invited to New York. But here's the point: if Bo is going to get invited to New York, if he's going to you know have that that kind of moment, so that that moment was was seemingly kind of like stolen from him against Washington. You know what I mean? Because they you know they turned mm-hmm. the ball over on downs, they gave it back to Penix. Penix leads Washington that drive, and then everyone's like, okay, that was his Heisman moment. That was that was Penix's coming of age. Then Penix turns in an absolute stinker down in Tempe. And all of a sudden, you're like, okay, maybe Bo Nix can, you know, get like, you know, a, like a, a little a bit of a push here because all of a sudden, you know, Penix had this horrible game down in Tempe where they, they you know, survived, but it was just so unimpressive that I think – this is probably um, one of the one of the main chances Knicks is going to have to really put his name into that Heisman conversation is against this Utah defense that just had its way against the almighty Caleb Williams, who everybody just likes to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they they stopped him, and so and Utah, you know, without rising mm-hmm. this season, has been winning games because of their defense. They're just a defensive minded team. That's what they do. They just get after it. And so I, I will jump in very briefly and say, I agree that that is the perception and to the extent that like Heisman conversations are about perception, that that's totally fair game. Having reviewed that film, it's not really what happened. The person who stopped USC's offense against Utah was Lincoln Riley with a bunch oh, yeah. of really <laughs> stupid play calls. Um, Utah, I mean, I'm not taking too much away from them, but like the primary person was Lincoln Riley. Utah like did did their jobs but like it wasn't like this dominant defensive performance it, it no. was it was no. like 75% dumb Lincoln Riley stuff true true anyway fair, fair, fair enough but sorry, uh, sorry for that interruption no, but I, okay. I nonetheless like inner agree with your point about that's how Utah's defense is perceived and you know rightly or wrongly um and so therefore and it is definitely the, their stronger side of the ball this year there's absolutely no question about that yeah. uh and, and so therefore you know to the extent that anybody is paying attention to and perhaps Oregon's coaching staff or candidate among that number about like Nick's versus you know Knicks versus the Utah defense will be like yeah that'll be an opportunity for exactly exactly it's you know it's in Salt Lake City it's in this place where people know how difficult it is to win Utah just defeated USC who Mm -hmm. you know you and I have barked all summer about how overrated USC was now it's just Mm -hmm. coming to fruition but I digress um they just beat USC and now this is a chance for Knicks to go again on kind of like national television and show, you know, like what he's really made of against this defense that is kind of like top tier, especially, I mean, definitely, you know, maybe not nationally, but in the Pac-12, it's top tier. And mm-hmm. so if he puts on, you know, this, this an, another amazing, efficient performance where he's got close to 70% completion rating, where he's throwing for well over 300 yards, where he's tossing at least three touchdowns and you know, he, he hardly ever throws interceptions if he goes, you know, pick free yet again. Oh, oh man, knock on wood on that shit. Oh, come on. That's like talking about a no hitter, dude. Don't. <laughs> uh, hey, what, what are you doing, man? All right. Let's let's let, let's redact that one. We'll uh, we'll record over it. Um, point point being, if he if he gets out there and he puts on like, a you know, a not not even like an all worldly performance, but just kind of like a, a classic Bo Nix performance then I think he's really going to show the nation that it's like, okay, look, you know what I mean? Like Penix, who had skyrocketed to the very top of the Heisman ratings after that win over Oregon, just went down to Tempe and just kind of... That game was in Seattle, dude. That wasn't in Tempe. No, the the Arizona State game. I said... I know, know, that game was in Seattle. 
Oh, okay. Sorry. It was, um, it was last year. It was in Tempe. I I understand being confused because that seems like the type of like the annual like Pacific Northwest team goes down to the desert and lays yeah. an egg, you know, type of game. But they already had that one. That was That's the right. game where That's they went right. to Tucson and did it. But That's this right. year, you That's know, Arizona State of. went up to Seattle because remember they were wearing <laughs> those like wacky purple, like royal purple yes. uniforms. Yeah, no, that yes. game was in okay. Seattle. You're, you're they, correct. You yeah. They, that's what I was like thinking they were in the Tempe, Tucson but game, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was in Seattle. Okay, so that's even more telling. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm being your hype man, dude. You're yeah. even <laughs> more, more well taken. It was in Appreciate Seattle where they Appreciate laid that it. egg. Yeah, so you know, there you go. Then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, okay, Penix isn't a robot. He's completely human. He had, you know, and then it's, it's time to be like, okay, well, Nix hasn't had one of those games this year. He's not had a game. Where it's like that was a stinker, that was bad, that just didn't look good at all. He hasn't had anything like that, and so if you go on national TV, turn in another at least you know like really solid performance. I don't know, man. I, I, especially with how USC has faltered and everything, how Colorado continues to you know, despite Shadur's good play, they 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 just you know what I mean. They're not figuring things out. I don't see how you don't put Bo at the top of the list in the in, in the West. Well, among, among, you know, Pac-12 schools, it's hard to see, or among Pac, yeah, among Pac-12 schools, it's hard to see, you know, a, 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 you know, more obvious, you know, candidate. Well, you know, it probably just comes down to like whichever quarterback wins the Pac-12 title game. That's just like how these things go. Um, the, the, uh, so it's really just sort of a matter of like paying attention to who wins what. Although, as you say, like, I, I agree with the point that you're making that like, this is a good platform for it. And we'll, we will also talk talk about the you know how exactly the matchup um between Oregon and Utah is going to go on our next podcast this week um you know because I'm you know I, st I still got more film to review on Utah um uh uh but I you know I will say just as a little preview of that like I think the just, just a little sneak peek sure. I, a, I, a teaser if you will a little teaser is I think in my opinion, the way things are shaping up, I think that Oregon could have would actually be well advised to try and get some stuff through the air early in this game and then try to sit on that lead. Um, and so like uh, or Oregon coming out of the gate, you know, throwing the ball and trying to attack Utah's secondary um, and having like sort of a you know, trying to trying to jump to like a quick two score lead through passing the ball against Utah's secondary may definitely be part um, of the game plan uh, and, and may go a long way towards the point that you're making about like Bonix, you know, bodacious Bonix. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we will talk some volleyball. So uh, you recently uh, uh, wrote a bit about um, the women's volleyball team. Uh, they uh, had uh, been they they they'd done very well in uh, non-conference play. Uh, they had uh uh you know they've been sort of barnstorming around the country um they they scheduled themselves a very difficult non-conference they played you know multiple ranked teams um you know they they defeated a, 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 a top 15 team uh they defeated a top 10 team you know at pit um they uh, uh they they dropped a close one it was a competitive uh, match against a, a big 10 team that was also you know a top 10 team um but it was like you know Know, one and one and they were competitive and they were on the road um it was like hey you know this team's like looking really good like you know national title uh uh contention um and you know then they get back home and you know look they they sort of they smashed all the 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 bad teams you know that they've played um uh you know in okay. act 12 play there's no question that they're a you know a good team that smashes uh, uh bad teams like you know let's not you know get mixed up here like they're they're definitely that but uh you know they they take on Wazoo, which is another you know top ten team. Uh, they they lose. It's competitive um, and it's frustrating because they um, it's like 
it sort of felt like they kind of beat themselves in a way. Like, I'm not trying to take anything from Wazoo. They, they, they won that match. But, like, Oregon was repeatedly in a position to, you know, take sets. Like, they, I mean, they, or, you know, they, they would have set point repeatedly and then would yes. give away and then lose the set. And so it's like, you know, that's not one where they get, like, swept off the floor you know, or get, you know, embarrassed or anything, they're in it, but they just like can't close the deal. And so it's like, man, that's frustrating. But it's also something that you can like, you can live with that. You can say, okay, they, there's stuff to improve. They kind of like they made service errors and made some sort of like, you know, whatever. So then the next, you know, ranked opponent they play is like number 19 ranked Arizona State, not, you know, a top 10 matchup. It's just a ranked yeah. opponent. Um, so it's sort of like, well, this will be, you know, it'll be a good test for them, you know, and it'll, it's a quality opponent, but it's not, it should, they shouldn't be exactly at the Ducks level. Oh, no, man. They get swept off their own floor. Yeah. Like, and they looked bad in it. Like, um, so it's like, what is happening? Then they play Stanford. And I believe you were in the building for their their, their match. I was, the yes. Right? So yes, why don't you tell us about that? What would you see? So here's so the thing. Stanford's like this top 10 team, and like their record is like identical to Oregon. Like oh, they yeah. might as well be like clones of Oregon oh, in yeah. terms of like what teams they've played, like the ranking of the teams that they played. They also sort of barnstormed the country. It's like in they they were like right there with Oregon in the rankings going into conference play. Like, I mean, in every way, like Oregon and Stanford, like they even play like similar games, like clones of each other. And so it was like, let's see who's the real team here. Yes. What what did you see? A hundred percent. And that's why I was so excited to go to this game. Um, you know, a, a, a great one to attend during homecoming weekend. Uh, you know, it was going to be the battle for conference supremacy. It was going to be the battle, you know, to see who was, who was top notch, at least, you know, at the, at the midway or a little past half midway point of the season. Um, what I saw <clears throat> was that despite, you know, the closeness of the scores, you know, you can look at the box score and, uh, you know, you can say, OK, well, you know, they lost they lost in four sets and, you know, th three of those sets were really close. Here's the thing, though. It, it, it just it never really seemed like they had control of the game. It seemed like Stanford was staying in control and Oregon had to keep fighting back. So um, like what I saw was consistency out of Stanford and spurts by Oregon. So Stanford would kind of like control you know, and, and keep control of that game where they'd always have like that little bit of lead. They'd always have that little bit of cushion to sit on. And there was a lot of times that, you know, Oregon would, would, would push and they'd go on a rally and get it close. But Stanford wouldn't quite let them get over the hump. Yeah, like Plus, Oregon would take like momentary, you know, point or two leads. But like, they, yeah. they, you know, Stanford would just like steadily score, you know, like, yeah, I, I oh, totally 100%. agree with that characterization. And, and here's the thing. The Ducks, it looked like it was the other way around. It looked like if they got a lead, they were just clinging to it for dear life and playing not to lose. And the one set that they did win, they had the match point. You know, it was it was like, I, I forget exactly yeah. what it was. I think it was like 24 to 16 or 17 or something of that nature. It was, yeah. it was like they had, it was just clear cut. It's like, all right, let's go. And then Stanford, I think, reeled off a good at least you know four more you know points in a row. Yeah, before they Oregon were finally they were sitting on set point for for I think six, they, yeah. six volleys. Yeah, it was bad, and that just concern that that's that right there is what concerned me. You know, you you have these two identical teams that are both battling for conference supremacy and everything like that, and then you know what I mean. It's just it's it's obvious which of the two teams was more in control the entire way. And so, you know, in my article, what I kind of delved into is the difference between, like you were mentioning, a, a good team, a team that wins, you know, uh, 20 games, a team that, you know, makes the NCAA tournament, a team that beats up on their overmatched opponents. That's all fine and dandy. But there's a difference between those kind of teams and a true national title contending team. And so that's what I was kind of pointing out is that, you know, up to the Wazoo game, when you were sitting there with like 20 wins and one loss to a top 10, you know, team on the road, then it's like, oh, geez, this is like legit. This is like national yeah. title, you know, really contention. And unfortunately, what I've seen from their battles against the top tier teams in, in the Pac-12 
and all at home, mind you, all of these happen. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's not like they're getting like run off of like, you know, an opponent's like the Wazoo match, the Arizona State match and the Stanford match. All of all of them were in Matthew Knight Arena. Yes. And on top of you know, what else is kind of weird is that in in some of these uh, uh, matches against like worse uh, uh, opponents like Washington and uh, and and Oregon State, like they drop or have like real tight, you know, opening sets where they seem like nervous, you know, with the crowd yeah. being behind them. You know, it's like it's like this team doesn't no, play well is, at home. Exactly. Like it what? Was, and, and the the atmosphere, the atmosphere was amazing there. You know, yeah, I've, I've Eugene's been going to Oregon volleyball volleyball games yeah. for a while, and I've never heard a volleyball game get that kind of. You know what I mean? It felt almost like more like I was at a basketball game. And yeah. I don't know if maybe they're just not used to that. Maybe if it's just kind of like intimidate, maybe it's like a lot of like, pressure. But I have a hard time buying that. Like, because, you know, I have a hard time buying that too because, like I pointed out in the article, you know, you have Mimi Collier, who's only a, you know, a sophomore and she's, you know, just, you know, still playing at, you know, her absolute, you know, level that she's at. But I pointed out that there's so many other role players on this team that are veterans. You have this, yeah. you know, all these upperclassmen up and down and the like, board. And the, the the town is very supportive of them last year during their run, and you know, was coming yes. out in great numbers. So it's not it's it's not like they're unaccustomed to this, you know, like no, absolutely not. And so when when you have a team that you just saw make a run to the Elite Eight last year. And you're returning so many of those key players, and you're retaining your superstar player, and and you know the the city's starting to get behind you, and the arena's filling up, and everything. Everything points toward you should be able to start being considered a, a an actual contender for the national title. Uh, at least what we've seen so far, I haven't seen that, and I think that was kind of like the point that I I, I put out in my article was that we'll find out now because all those teams that they lost to, they have to go on the road and face yeah. them at their places now. And so, I mean, they it, played and, better and so on the thing, road. I mean, like that might be good for them. Like, I don't know why, but they played better on the road. I, I don't know. Like, this is, this is going to, yeah, this is going to tell whether they're true national title contenders, a, a, a true national title contender would go into those buildings, take revenge and 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 wipe away any doubt that they're the real deal. Yeah. A good team, you know, a good team that isn't really a contender will lose those games and be like, ah, well, but it was, or, you know, or we'll nationally just, ranked competition. It was on the road. It's understandable. Right. Like, or, or we'll just play them even. I mean, Oregon's now behind the eight ball, right? Like Oregon yeah. has to win all of them, you know, in order to, to, to put themselves in a good seating position in the playoffs, right? Like yes. they can't even go 50-50, you know, which would oh. be like basically the expectation against top teams, yeah. right? You know, top, t- you know, when you play top teams, you want to fight them to a draw, right? Like it's not reasonable mm-hmm. to be like, oh, they, they should win all of them, you know, like that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. But like now they do now from this point forward, I mean, like they now need to, you know, because they dropped all of them to start out with, um, you know, against Wazoo and Stanford and Arizona State, you know, it's like, you know, look at their look at their you know point in the conference standings they're they're behind teams that they're not as that, that they're better than um exactly. and and like yeah and i think like the data set is now big enough that it's like you know after the wazoo one i was just like you know you you can you can you can make you can talk yourself into hey that happens you it know y- you can and and not just like i said talk yourself into but like i like but i mean you know like it just, does happen though like credibly yeah, yeah. it does happen You'll and see you can that. also National title contending teams will they'll get upset they'll drop a, a random yeah, game in, here and there but... competitive matches against high level teams like that's i mean it's not just like it happens it's supposed to happen you know mm-hmm. like and it's and and early in, in conference play to give you an idea of like, hey, maybe this is where a vulnerability is that you work on, you know, like better to have that happen early than late, right? Um, like, it's like, I'm, you didn't really worry me at all, but then getting swept by Arizona State, and yes. then as you say, it, was, it wasn't it was like getting humiliated by Stanford, but, but I totally agree with your assessment of the Stanford match where it was like, that's not, you know, that, that wasn't 
Stanford was in control of that match. It was that, that clear. Was, that was it not, was clear who the better. Yeah, team that was not was. a fifty-fifty. It's up for grabs. Yeah. Thing. that was. Now, like, it you, wasn't like Stanford humiliated them. That no, was not like at all. It was actually an exciting game. But. but but it was. I mean, it was clear that like you know I, I would say that that was more like fifty-five, forty-five, or sixty-forty. You know, it was like oh, yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't an embarrassment, but it was also like it wasn't 50-50. It was no, clear it was that, that one team was consistently a bit better. Um, and so if Oregon wants to, like, it's not, Oregon needs to do something. Like, they, 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 it's not just a matter of like, oh, you're on a trajectory to win and this was just a bump that you're going to, you know, a speed bump that you're going to move past, you know, whatever. No, like, this, they actually need to do something. Yeah. Um, well, that you know, something I, is going and taking revenge on the road against yeah. these national. Well, I mean, teams. there's something I don't, I, look, yeah. I, I don't understand enough about volleyball coaching to identify what is the reason that they are losing um, and, and therefore, or what it is that they need to fix. I'm so like, I can't give you a prescription no, I mean, for what that neither. is in the way that as you know, I, no, I, me I, neither, could but I know football, enough about sports like, to know what killer instinct is. And well, I don't, I don't need, I don't think, I don't think it's probably fluffy like that. I probably th think that there is like an actual real concrete thing. I just, I can't put my finger on it because I'm not a volleyball expert. The way we'll that, have to like, get bad water in here. to Yeah. I, I, I don't know, man. Like I could tell you what it is if it's football, you know, because I, I, I've developed that, but like, I don't have it for volleyball. I'm sorry. Um, but like Matt Ulmer, the coach needs to, to figure it out. Um, and, uh, uh, and, 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 and the coach needs to, 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 and the team needs to make a, a, a correction to whatever it is. Sorry. I can't tell you what it is, but they probably know. Uh, and, and and alter their trajectory because this trajectory is like losing in the first round of the playoffs. No, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, you know, like and like I'm not mixed up about that. Like that's the you know this isn't uh this isn't ah shucks one game you know or no. one match you know kind of deal. Like this is for real. Like they're really just not good enough. There's like, not gonna at, there's not gonna be point. there's not gonna be cows and Arizonas in the NCAA tournament. I, I don't think it's too late. Like, I think there's still time. Oh, yeah. You know, for that to happen, you know, for, for that turnaround to happen. But I don't think anyone should mistake, like, a turnaround needs to happen. Um, so, no. Yeah. That's, and that's basically what I just alluded to in the end. We're going to find out. We're going to find out in the month of November. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Uh, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, uh, we will talk about uh, Oregon football's uh, victory over Wazoo. Okay, so uh, the Ducks last Saturday uh, uh, hosted the Wazoo Cougars, um, perhaps for the last time in a while, uh, since they're going to uh, different conferences, or who knows where Wazoo is going. Um, uh uh, previously I had written an article that was sort of like trying to solve the puzzle of what's up with Wazoo because they started the season kind of gangbusters and then their previous two games were sort of clunkers. And I, I, I was actually, I genuinely enjoyed writing that preview article because, mm -hmm. um, I felt like I, 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 I felt like it wasn't, Oh, there's one thing it was there have it, it wasn't like there's this one thing that didn't exist in the beginning, but then it cropped up and that one thing is what's killing them. It, yeah. it, that, that wasn't the, sometimes you see stuff like that in football, you know, like, oh, my God, their left tackle got hurt and now they yeah. can't protect and now they're getting killed. But it wasn't something like that. No, they're it's, a tougher it, nut to crack. Right. It was. It was definitely tough. Um, and I really appreciated the interview that we did with Jamie Vinnick of Coogfan.com because like he really helped us um, like suss it out. Um, and by it, I mean the multiple things. It was like four different things. Um, and uh, and the thing was, uh, you know, they, they were all things that sort of like they would they they all existed over the length of Wazoo's season. Like you could find them even in their very first game. It's just that if they happened in isolation, they were manageable and Wazoo 
they were like speed bumps that they could roll over. But if they would happen like simultaneously, they would compound on each other, like, mm -hmm. you know, like vinegar and baking soda, where in isolation, they're fine, but put them together and uh-oh. Um, and, uh, and the thing was, they all sort of came together in their, in their, their games right before they played Oregon. And so I was trying to sort of, you know, tell everybody with my article, my preview article that like, Hey man, this team is not as bad as they looked recently. It was like these, these different things were all conspiring them to, to make them look that bad, which means I guess it could happen again, but it's also possible that like, if some of those things don't show up, like for example, if they don't fumble the ball, or if their offensive coordinator doesn't like inexplicably turtle and call a super conservative game plan, um, that like that 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 like that that the horrible compounding factor doesn't occur and they go back to being like a pretty okay team like they were at the beginning of the year, um, and like so anyway long long introduction to. And so that's what happened. And so in, <laughs> in, in a weird way, even though this game is sort of tight at the beginning of the game, I, as an analyst, was kind of like secretly smiling to myself because I was like, yeah, like I, I that, that's what I was trying to tell everybody. And look, I, I, I look at where my I, I know where my clicks come from, because like when I post my article to various, you know, ver various different places not to sound too creepy but like when you click on my article from a different message board or wherever like i it tells me that uh where the incoming click is coming from and like the message boards that were like oh whatever oregon's gonna roll wazoo and like so therefore i wasn't getting a lot of clicks coming from those message boards like yeah man like uh you know yeah 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 re, re, you know like once a year this always happens it always happens about once a year that i write an article in which i'm trying to wave the red flag of like this team isn't as bad as they've looked recently and y'all need to read yeah. my article to understand why and then like they they don't take me <laughs> seriously and then like the next week they're like why didn't you warn me you know and i was like yeah. mother ducker i, I did you know <laughs> like you didn't read my articles you know? uh, exactly so but for all if, the if you're, if you're, gonna, if you're gonna argue with an analyst, then you, yeah. then you have to actually read their stuff. Yeah, I know. Just, like, I, I mean, read the headline and then go in and start arguing with an analyst. Yeah, I know. Well, why my headlines? <laughs> I keep my headlines as nondescript as possible because I just like yeah, and you, you got to read this stuff, right? I, I try not <laughs> to give you the TLDR so that you have to actually R them. Um, uh, anyway, uh, but uh, people don't because like it's. Because people have ten second long attention span. Anyway, the um, so like yeah, I was sort of like secretly somewhat satisfied about that. As weird as it sounds, oh sure, yeah. But like, but yeah, that's definitely what happened. Was that their their offensive coordinator <laughs> quit calling like a super conservative game plan, which is what happened at the end of the UCLA game and then all throughout the Arizona game. They stopped turning the ball over like they, just their ball security. You know, they, they well, they actually they put the ball in the deck two times, but then they recovered it both times. So like their fumble luck went sort of back up to 50 50, um, which mm, um. And, and then, like, Cam Ward did the, like, Cam Ward stuff. That was a fun stat that I pulled for my article was that they were actually 0.74 yards per play better when he broke the pocket than when they were playing from within yeah. the pocket. So it's like, why don't Cam Ward well, just call the, this the offense? Kids, the, kids, you know? the kids got wheels. People yeah. just don't realize that, I think. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of the defining, the other thing is sort of the defining fact of this game, you know, at least, uh, you know, when Wazoo had the ball was just like, it, other than like quick throws, which does make up a substantial part of Wazoo's offense um, and, and was the big sort of problem, especially in the Arizona game was that they were doing quick throws, but they were all screens, which then Arizona would immediately blow up because they were stupid screens. So that's why they couldn't move the ball down the field was it was yeah. like the, that it, it means that Cam Ward can't scramble. Right. Like he can't like, you know, so it's like the quick throw for negative two yards. Like that's why their drives kept dying. Cause it was like dumb play mm -hmm. calling that, that meant a 0% chance of Cam Ward improvising. And that's how you get six points. Yeah. Um, and so like neither of those elements obtained against Oregon. Right. Because it's like, well, hold on. Why don't I stop calling screen passes 
I mean, they did call a few, but like I'll, th- I'll make my quick throws downfield throws, which like they were successful on, on a couple of yep. times. And then also if I try to have him stand in the pocket for a little while, yeah, about half the time Oregon's going to demolish that pocket, which yeah, like Oregon, that's like the defining fact is that Oregon's pass rush was absolutely demolishing oh, yeah. his offensive line. But then, you know, word would escape the pocket. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and then like half of those times, well, I mean, half of those times, meaning like a quarter of their passing plays, Oregon would get a good play, right? Like a sack or a throwaway or something like that. But the other half, yeah. I mean, the other like quarter of them, like, oh, you just pull off a magic trick, you know, because like any quarterback that plays Oregon gets to play the best game of their life through like the weird curse that the Ducks have <laughs> in which like any quarterback that plays them just turns into, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, not, not to take away from Ward because that kid is a baller, but I, fair point. I mean, yeah, we have seen, like, we, we have seen some unusually good performance. I know, it's like the instant, <laughs> any is just like, this is incredible. Yeah, so anyway, like, and like the receivers just like make magic hands, you know, catches, just like, what, you know? Anyway, and uh, and then on top of that, you know, Oregon's out at like a couple of cornerbacks in this game. So they have to sort of shuffle around the secondary a bit. It's, anyway, you know, effectively, the you know, the Ducks had him shut down in all the ways that, you know, matter. It's just a little frustrating because like, oh, of course, he made this scramble play. And oh, of course, you know, the redshirt freshman linebackers out of position. Ah, grumble, grumble, grumble. And then on, you know, on offense, what I thought was really interesting um, uh, when Oregon had the ball, what I thought was really interesting was that. uh like super, super interesting was that uh, um, the Oregon's got a number of Oregon's rushing plays are sort of based on misdirection, you know, um, which would had been really, and in fact, I wrote about it in my article. It was the part where I was frowning about um, it is sort of like get Wazoo to start running one way. And then you put your foot in the ground, cut back and run the other way. And like Wazoo's mm-hmm. really vulnerable to it because like Wazoo's whole deal is speed, you know, speed in their front. And so like, Hey, if you try to run laterally, they'll just beat you to the edge. And, um, cause they're just, they'll start running the same way too. And they'll beat you to it. But if you get them to do that, but then you cut back against it like, oops, they've run themselves out of the play. And so it's like, oh, I bet Oregon's going to do that a bunch. And so Oregon does try to do that a bunch. But then to, sort of to my surprise, it was making me kind of frowny faced was like, oh, shoot. They quit doing that. Like they knew <laughs> that they knew that that was going to be Oregon's trick. And they, they actually coached him up. So like hats, hats off to Jake Dickert who I actually think is a pretty good coach, um, at least on the defensive side of the ball. I, I, uh, I mean, he comes from the defensive side of the ball, I should, I, yeah. I should say. Um, uh, and, uh, and I think he transformed the defense in, in, in a smart way, which has impressed me, um, given the level of talent that they get, is what I'm trying to say about him. Um, and uh, uh, and so, yeah, like credit to him, like he he identified that that was probably a way that Oregon was going to attack him and he coached his dudes up to resist it. So it was like, huh, how about that? And then you combine that with another really interesting factor, um, which is that Oregon's offensive coordinator, Will Stein, put a bunch of new plays on tape, um, which were really cool. Like I put a bunch of examples of them in my article, which actually didn't have a whole lot to do with anything except for like one sort of failed run play at the beginning of the game, which was this counter toss um which is actually a really cool play um but it was like kind of crazy that wazoo sniffed it out um like oregon had never run it before and yet wazoo like sniffed it out and defended appropriately in a way that like nothing about wazoo's tendencies would tell you they'd be prepared for being able to sniff that out and defend it properly, especially lucky, not lucky, the first lucky guess, time. you think, maybe? Uh, either <laughs> lucky guess or just Jake Dickert had them really on point about looking for misdirection. Um, yeah. So, like, really, I was j- like, way to go, Cougs, for that. Um, and also, I also must say, too, I also just genuinely, like, as an analyst, I just genuinely enjoyed seeing all the new plays, which is like, just, well, number one, because, like, I'm a because I'm a geek, you know, like I, it's just like, ooh, look at that play. Ooh, look at that play. Ooh, look at that play. Ooh, that's new. You know, like there's a bunch of like they they ran that. Um, I mean, you, you probably remember a bunch of like they they did that uh, the direct snap. Uh, yeah. To, to Bucky yeah. Dunn, 
cool. The one where, yeah. where Nick's pretended and like he yeah, was still yeah, talking yeah. to the line. Yeah, I was like, wow, fun. I haven't seen, they haven't seen it, that before. It, the, for the first time this year, they did a tackle over play. You know, it's a yeah. tackle over taco, right? Um, so I, I've been naming all the tackle over plays ever since last year after Mexican food. Um, so because they did this one out of a sugar, I, I was going to call it taco toss because it's a toss play out of tackle over. But then I was like, no, they did it out of a sugar huddle. So I'm going to call it a, a churro. Um, although someone else suggested nice. calling it a nice. sopapilla, oh, yeah. um, which is which is actually the Mexican dessert that I prefer m- m- more than churros. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, it, it goes sopapilla flan churro for me, but uh, but churro just seemed right. Um, because uh, the way that you make a churro is oh, all right. This isn't the cooking show. Uh, the um, uh, and, and there's a bunch of I already talked about the counter toss play. Read my article. There's a bunch more. There's a ton of examples. Like he put a bunch of new plays on film. Like at this yeah. point in the season, week eight, it was putting, cool. To, it was cool to watch a little bit of a uh, little bit of Chip Stein or something like. That. Yeah. Well, I don't think it was to get necessarily a strategic advantage in this game. It was definitely not necessary. And in some sense, actually even counterproductive. I think in my opinion, I mean, I put film clips in my article just cause it was like, Hey, this is cool. Look guys. Hey, geek out with me. This cool play, you know, in this cool play and this cool play and this cool play. Um, I, 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 uh, uh it, it's unusual to see even one, you know, new play in week eight of the season for him to put that many, um, you know, uh, in, in, into the playbook, uh, or, you know, onto film this late, I, I have to think is some gamesmanship about, um, uh, uh, uh about like messing with future opponents, you know, like, look at all these new Almost things. Likely. You, you've got to have to deal with, you know, you know, uh, you know, you know who you Utah have and USC. You know and, yeah, exactly. You know. Um, yeah. so, so, so yeah. So in between some of the new plays and some of the, like the misdirection plays, huh? Curiously not working. Um, you know, that sort of explains a little bit of the Oregon slow start, um, uh, factor. Um, uh, and then the other one was like, uh, Wazoo's pass rush was getting home on a couple of plays. Um, uh, and then there was a little bit of difficulty with the zebras. I won't belabor that. Um, the, uh, the, the, you know, so, so what Oregon switches to, um, as the first, uh, uh, quarter and into the first half, you know, goes on is, um, uh, uh, they, they switch to just gap schemes, just power running. Um, which like, there's no misdirection involved. There's no nothing involved and there's no like novelty involved. It's a pop Warner man. It's, it's God's play. It's like everybody, since they started playing football when they were five years old, knows that play. Um, and it's just like Oregon's offensive line is really good. They're really talented. They're really at this point experienced. Um, and they're really big and Wazoo's defensive front is small. I mean, that's just, I'm sorry. That's just the, the, yeah. the hand that the Cougs have been dealt. So like they're trying to stop, you know, hat on hat, you know, one-on-one blocking of 320 pound offensive linemen with 250 pound dudes. And like, yeah, that's not, not that's not going <laughs> to happen guys. Um, and so Oregon, it's not like eight of those run plays in a row, but it is, you know, because they're interspersing them with, with with other you know rpos and 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 some pass plays and some other stuff but they every time they run a designed run during this sort of stretch it's one of those um and just wazoo can't stop them like they have a hundred percent success rate over those eight plays and like there's a 20 yard run there's a 40 yard run like it's a nightmare for wazoo and then as the exclamation point for the ninth one they they run a counter off of that where they have Bucky go against the pullers. Um, and that's what creates that one-on-one against the safety. You probably remember this one. It's the zero versus zero play where the yeah. free safety comes down to the hole. And then Bucky just totally breaks his ankles and runs for the yeah. touchdown. Like, <laughs> well, that's that play. He runs against the, the pullers so they finally do get to pull off a misdirection, you know, where where Wazoo is like they're all running that way. And that that's what creates that one and one against the free safety that Bucky breaks his ankles and runs for the touchdown. So so over that course of nine, you know, power blocked runs, they they 
they have two 40 yard and a 20 yard, you know, and the rest of them are all successful too. And it's just like Wazoo can't do anything about it. Uh, and it's like, yeah, I mean, that's really what breaks the, the game open is just the Oregon just leans into. And then on the passing side of the ball, you know, they're, they're also just leaning into just straight up athletic advantage. You know, like there's one play, the one uh, I think the commentator says drop down the chimney. It's the one where like just Franklin dusts their best cornerback off the line and and yeah. Nick just drops it. You know, because he's like, I'm just a better cornerback or quarterback. And Franklin is just a better receiver. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, that, ba- that um, back shoulder throw that he made yeah. in the second half is one of the prettiest I've or, ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> Johnson. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like that that coverage ain't bad, but Nick's trusts him. Yeah, you know, but, but you know what? I'm better work. than that. Like that, where he he releases before before he not just before he turns his head before he's even out of the break. Like he knows he knows that Tez is going to catch that ball, and it's yeah. like it's perfectly. Placed. That's, a, that's that brotherly connection. I know, man. It was, it's it was, it was gorgeous. It was uh, like I like shed a tear. It was beautiful. And uh, and, and then there's another th- throw to Tez. It's also in my article where like uh, you know it's taking advantage of the speed of uh, you know the speed the speed like it's Tez versus a linebacker, and it's like that's not a contest for Wazoo's. Like, you know, I wrote about that in my preview article where like the 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 just the massive speed adva- that their linebackers are a huge weakness, and Tez Johnson is the fastest human on that. In fact, there was I, I saw I think it was like. Uh, the, one of the analytics, you know, Twitter, you know, companies comes out and they're just like, we we have analyzed the true foot speed for this, and he's running at like whatever, like twenty eight miles an hour or some, you know, bonkers <laughs> that humans shouldn't be able to do, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And it's just like, yeah, man, <laughs> you know, where it's just like, yeah, that's what. You know, I'm not saying, oh, oh, Stein, you dummy, you know, like stop being cute. I, I, f- I feel like fans go too hard at that sort of stuff. But I am saying that where Oregon, you know, when they when they decided to break the game open, the way that they did it was just like, oh, we just have just huge talent advantage oh, yeah. over this team. And we're, these are the plays in which we can like really leverage them. Or another example of that is wazoo plays um they only play a 425 defense they're always in nickel they never take the nickel off the field and put in a linebacker or put in a, a, a third defensive tackle they're always in 425 so when oregon gets to the red zone what do they do they put in a they go to 13 personnel they put in a third you know a, a tight end you know most teams yeah when they see a super heavy set like that, they would like get heavier on their defense and be like, Oregon's going to run at us. What does Wazoo yeah. do? Four Stay two in five. that four two five. <laughs> and so what does Oregon do? They run to the strong yeah, side. Yeah. Not only yeah, they run to the strong That's... side, they pull the, the other tight end from the other side of the formation and one of the, so it's like, they've got like five lead blockers against yeah. the tiny Wazoo dudes. And then, and then they have Jordan James, who's like more of the stiff arm, you know, kind of guy. And they're just like running over Wazoo guys. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's like, yeah, just like physical advantage time, you know, um, which well, that's, is not, that's how they started taking control of the game was just right. through the physicality. Yeah, and or or speed or just like just talent. Just like you could put yeah. it all in the talent bucket. The the bigger bucket, the more talented bucket, the faster bucket. You know what? Like it all goes into the same bucket of just like, you know, Oregon is made up of four and five stars, and Wazoo is not. You know, like you know that's where. You know, if you want to identify a, a turning point in the game, it's when Oregon starts calling plays that leverage that more than anything else. Um, not that there's really a, tr- a singular turning point; it's more like a, a gradual shift. You know, if you uh, when I look at my you know my my tally sheet, you, I can sort of see that it's it's not like there's a before and an after point. There's a it's it's a more it's more gradual shift than that. But like that's what that's still you know what happens and i'm not even like calling out stein like i said i loved seeing all the new plays and i think you know it probably pays dividends you know down the road in terms of messing with future oregon opponents um so like you know 
blah, blah, you know, I'm totally into it. Um, no, no, no coincidence that that came a week before facing the, the best right. defense will face. You know, and in a game at home when you're favored by 20 points and they probably should have yeah. won by 20 points. I did think I, I mean, they crazy. I did win by I, 20 points. They like. should, and that garbage, it was garbage <laughs> yeah. time, so I don't care about it. But that pass on third down was stupid, Will. Like, come on, man, just run that ball on third and three and lock the game down so that you covered the spread not that i was betting on the game or anything but just like that come on man like that was an unforced error anyway um the uh and ruined the oregon streak of covering the spread in every game come on man anyway uh uh uh, (laughs) yeah like no i think like overall just strategically like the these were all correct decisions and like i understand watching the game live you know people are like i'm frustrated but like my, my whole deal you know in terms of like watching the film after the game and knowing how the game concluded is like oh yeah i can appreciate all these like cool all all these things that happened and like long term probably make you know make sense to set up oregon you know for for this push into the stretch so like yeah I, I liked everything that I saw or and to this extent that I saw stuff that like I didn't like when I was seeing it live when I in context, uh, you know, in sort of appreciating the larger sweep of things when I did my film study was like, ah, this all makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, I, 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 I ain't got no complaints about that. And I really, you know, there's, there's also, Hey, I haven't talked about him yet. Like what, what, especially like, uh, like I dug, I, I think a lot of the freshmen that they've been playing, which I, it, during the off season, when I was doing my Oregon preview, cause I, like I preview all 12 of the PAC 12 teams and Oregon is one of them, at least for now. Uh, and you know, so I saved Oregon for the end. And one of the things that I was sort of like, you know, my note of caution about the team was they were really betting on true freshmen um, and a couple of redshirt freshmen in their defensive front as like having to carry the load. Um, and, the, you know, whereas other teams probably would have gone with transfers at, at some of those positions, you know, who are more experienced uh, and like you know, there, I saw some true freshman stuff at the beginning of the year. I really think they're rounding into shape. What did you think about some of the, these uh, true freshmen um, in the defensive front in this game? Um, I, I, I thought they played great and I was, uh, definitely very impressed, uh, by Yungo Lely. Um, I, I knew that, you know, coming in, we were, you know, we were battling other teams for him. You know, he, he was thought to be like an SC lean and then we nabbed him and everything. Um, I didn't want to just fly right off the handle and be like, oh, he's Thibodeau 2.0 or whatever. But I, you know, I, I liked it. I was like, and the edge rushers, those those disruptors, are some of the most valuable players to have. And you know, you you saw that with Tibbs was even during his freshman season, yeah. he was he was you know making that difference. You were like, this is a true freshman, but he's still getting in there, you know, causing havoc and everything. Um, I thought uh, Mateo was doing something similar on Saturday, and I think that's that's really when you kind of saw like what a. Uh, what a stout edge rusher Oregon's going to have for the next couple of years. Oh yeah. Um, and, you know, granted, you know, like you said, it, it, it wasn't against, you know, like a all conference offensive line or anything like that, but still it was, you know, it was against uh, Cam Ward, who was a, a mobile quarterback. This was not, you know, like a Penix kind of guy who's just going to stand there. This was a guy that, that can, you know, do some, pull some Houdini stuff. And uh, he was still able to, you know, get, get to him several times. So I, I was very, uh, very pleased by what I saw out of Mateo, and uh, hopefully we'll see a little bit more of that. Uh, and in November, when uh, his brother comes to town, I think. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Although, who knows if that guy's going to be the starting quarterback by that time? <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh. But like, it's not just Uyunglele. Like, I mean, they burned the redshirt for I, I think all of them except for Amari Washington. Um, uh, you know, they, they have for Blake Purchase, who played well in this game. Uh, yeah. They have for Tatum Tuiati, uh, who played well in this game. Um, Marion Winston also played well in this game, although he's a redshirt freshman. Um, you know, all, you know, yeah, all, all the freshmen, um, you know, really showed out and they've committed to him. They're like, these guys aren't you know, there, this wasn't a like dip their toe in the water, you know, but now we're preserving their red shirt kind of deal. Like, nah, they're actually straight up, you know, really just part of the rotation. Um, And that's, and that's more kind of like the landing that 
I was talking about at the beginning of the cast of, you know, yeah. Lanning who trusts his defensive players because that's what, that's his, that's his niche. He's a, you know, defensive minded yeah. guy. So I like to see that. That was trust. That was like, all right, we're not, you know what I mean? I'm not going to, you know, just like, you know, dip into, you know, transfer. Pro- I'm, I'm going to throw in these kids fresh out of high school and let's, you know, you got your four and five star status. Let's see what you can do with it. I liked it. Yeah. All right, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, you got any parting words of wisdom for us, Adam? Um, <laughs> yeah, read, read, read Hith's articles thoroughly before uh, constructing your comment. Analysts, analysts uh, will get you if you don't do that. Uh, go ahead and let me be the uh, website villain here. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's why we <laughs> hired you. Uh, <laughs> the... Uh, uh, yeah, stay tuned. You know, next week uh, we'll, or uh, later this week we'll we'll do our uh, Utah preview. Should be interesting. Um, the uh, 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 it, tomorrow we're going to wrap up, or we're going to you know preview on the site. You know, a, a lot of the sports. Uh, you know, softball and, and tennis and golf and beach volleyball. Uh, we got a lot of good you know content for you on addicted to quack. Um, the uh, 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 a bunch of teams are swinging into action in fall. Like almost too much for us to cover, but uh, but but the uh, uh, you know, no such thing uh, on Addicted to Quack. If you put it on a duck uniform, we are going to uh, uh, cover you uh, <laughs> as best we can. Uh, anyway, um, uh, go out and go out and support the team. Uh, you know, they they they, they need your support. Uh, while the we still have a little bit of sunshine left, uh, I there's a little bit of rain coming down outside of my window, but it never rains on this podcast. <laughs>